In a world where comedians pitch fake movie ideas, this is Basic Pitches. This is Basic Pitches, uh, and we've. this is the first ever remote one, so I'm very excited to uh, have a very talented and funny and brilliant comedian uh, with me. You'll have seen him on the... Uh, on the Tez O'Clock show on Channel 4, he featured in the TV series Man Like Mabeen. And mm-hmm. uh, he now has uh, his very own stand-up special on YouTube called Testify. It's Tez Ilyas. Yay, thank you for having me. I'll just pretend there was a round of applause there greeting me. I'm, so, um, yeah, no, brilliant. Thank you for having me. I'm going to add some applause in post. So, Amazing. I'm, so, I miss it. I'm, I miss the applause. You know, like when you do stand-up comedy like three, four times a week for 10 years and you just get used to your name being announced and then a round of applause, it does something to your brain. It rewires your brain. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, it, um, it must be a bit addictive, I guess. Yeah, and also whenever when everyone started clapping every Thursday, I thought, oh, I better come out and tell some jokes, but it's not what people wanted. They just, <laughs> they just wanted to clap some doctors and nurses. It was a bit annoying. You could have, I don't know, you could have done a bit of both. Or like, guys, applaud afterwards. Please, just, you know, uh, I, in my intro, I also had, um, with my tongue firmly in my cheek, uh, Tez also um, appeared on The Right Stuff, teaching Christine Hamilton and Kirsty Gallagher about racism. Um, and, Probably uh, more Christine Hamilton than, than Kirsty. I think Kirsty, like, she was being quite diplomatic, uh, being the host, but um, <laughs> Christine Hamilton, yeah, she's an interesting egg. Also, your TED Talk has had over 150,000 views on YouTube, so congratulations for that. Thank you, yeah. It's one of those things that you're like, oh, I wish that was on my channel. <laughs> instead, of, <laughs> yeah. instead of on the TED Talk channel, but, uh, but I guess more people will find it, it being on there. Yeah, that's done really well. Like, the, I, the, when I did it live in Manchester, like, it went really, really well. I remember it going, like, really well. I was just thinking, God, I hope a lot of people get to see this. And uh, now people are sharing it, which is nice. I would imagine that's quite a, when you get um, I've had friends who have applied and got to a certain like period in the audition process for a TED talk and they've not got it um, it's quite it's quite it's, it's quite hard to do it's quite hard to get one isn't it it's quite it's quite a coup I mean this is really embarrassing but they came to me I didn't apply I didn't apply I didn't apply to do a TED talk they asked me to do one. Oh right. Um, and I was like, you know, maybe. Okay. Ah. Yeah. All right. Yeah, all right. Yeah. Look okay. At you. All right. I'm. I'm. I think yeah, I'm. Sorry, mate. No, it's fine. I th- <laughs> I th- I'm underestimated you. Um, or, this is what people are always asking me about, like acting. How do you get into acting? Like, what did you do? And I'm like, well, I I just stand up, and that's how I came to it. I didn't do the drama school route and auditions route. I kind of came through it through people enjoying what I do on stage, and then going, oh, you do you want to try this? And I was like, yeah. You could argue that that might be a, a, a better education standing up in front of strangers every night. You know, it doesn't get much True. scarier than that. And you are deaf and you are always like there are moments in your set where you're, you're, you're acting out a bit. And so it is really good training that you do that night after night for years and years. And, and also, like, I don't want anyone to think, wow, this guy just get. No, I have put the hours in in stand up like I have blood, sweat and tears have gone into my stand up and, and sacrifices in my life. To, for me to get the opportunities that people give me. So it's not like I've just gone, people have just gone, oh yeah, give him stuff. Like, yeah, no, it's, I've, I've earned everything that I've ever heard. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Well, well, I, just, to make, just to make that clear to anyone listening. Well, I, I, it's clear, when anyone watches your stand-up special called Testify, which is uh, on YouTube now, 
um, it's it's like I was saying to you before we started recording. It's very clear how much work has gone into it. So I don't think that's uh, I don't think that's in any doubt. Thank you. Just Thank in you case there was any. Um, no, but in case there, there might be people listening to this that are not overly familiar with me or my work. So just, just I just thought I'd put their minds at ease. <laughs> and <laughs> during lockdown, we need to be put at ease. You know. Yes. We exactly. Need, we need to be comforted. Thing is, I'm quite. I'm, you know. I'm envious. When I watched your thing, I was like, I was, I enjoyed it, but there's always a pang of jealousy that you know <laughs> that you that even when you're doing the intro to Tez's stand-up special, it's on the South Bank, so he's walking along the by the Thames, and it's just a really ballsy start to a special. Like he's got a bit of swagger, and uh, it's it's cool, it's well lit, and I was just like, yeah, that's a guy. Like uh, what that afterwards, when you saw that, you must have thought, yeah, that looks quite cool. That I I feel quite cool. <laughs> You know, it's really mad. We did that. We recorded that after we did the show. So I'd done the show. I'd had a load of friends who came. They went to Peace Express on the South Bank. And I was like, I've just, I've got to do one more thing <laughs> before, before we start this. And then we had to record that. Uh, and that took, it looked, took like 45 minutes, like walking from the bridge, from Westminster Bridge across the South Bank to the South Bank Centre. And then up that, up that lift where I come out with the, with the other clothes on. Like it was just... It was, it was that, that day was just mad. Was your pizza cold when you when you got there? I was. I didn't. I told them not to order for me. And then I don't <laughs> think. I don't think I ate. I don't think. I don't think I had the appetite to eat afterwards. Yeah, I. I it, was, I, um, it was one of those things. I think I, I had a McDonald's on the way back to the hotel. I'm quite. Um, I'm sort of happy to admit that I. I, sort of, I don't think I'm. I'm vain all the time. But it, if I had a night like that, you know, you come off stage, you know, you've nailed it, and you're really happy with it. I, you don't drink, do you? But I, I would have gone into, no, no. I would have had a drink and drugs binge. Not, not because I think it's, not because I think it's cool. I would just need to have something that, um, that could uh, mirror that feeling, could mimic that feeling. You know? Something a bit celebratory. Yeah, and and but really kind of ex- sort of maybe quite extreme, like wanting to take that feeling, of like, yes, uh, achievement and like, and exponentially make it make it grow. You know, it's that's not a yeah, good way yeah, to yeah, be. Yeah, I think yeah, you have yeah, to. I mean. Yeah, yeah. What do you do? You, you know, you don't you don't drink. I don't think or take drugs. So how do you like? No, I, I'll dabble in the occasional bit of marijuana, but not not on the regular. And never when I want. <laughs> never when I'm like, oh, I could do some. And it's like it's never there because I don't. Because I never buy it. I only ever have it if I'm in. If I'm oh, with people who you're are one smoking. of those guys. Aren't yeah, you? yeah, I'm one of those guys. If people are having, if a joint's being passed around, I'll have a couple of tokes. But I, I'm not the guy who will go and. Get it, get it, and then and then uh, a, a pouch of weed is that the technical term? Um, and 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 then roll it and smoke it. Like I was, I was never that guy. But you know, I'll I'll I'll, I'll have a couple of talks if it's going round. If you gorge on success, then you're also going to gorge on failure, aren't you? So it's probably best to be in the middle somewhere. Yeah, I am quite like obviously failures do hit you hard. Uh, there's something called Millikan's law. Sarah Millikan said this thing, and it became a thing for comics where. She said, whatever happens, whatever type of gig you have, whether it's the best gig of your life or the worst gig of your life and everything in between, you have until 11 a.m. the next morning to either revel in it or, or pity yourself about it or whatever, and then it's done. And then you, you, you lock it away and then it's, it's over. You're on to the next thing. And that is called Millikan's Law. Yeah, it's quite good. It's quite, like, yeah, that's, pretty, that's pretty decent. Um. So you, so you give yourself a bit of grace where you're like, oh, I will, you know what, I've done well, I will enjoy it. Or you're going, you know what, I've, I'm not feeling well, and you know what, I will I will just sit in this for a little bit because I feel like I need to. But by 11am tomorrow, it's done. That's fantastic. That, that's, and that's called Millikan's Law. 
Yeah, I don't know if she got it from someone, but it's who I heard it from attributed to. I love that. I think that's I think that's brilliant. You, that, you, you give yourself a time frame of um, of either celebration or grief, mm. and then you move on. Mm. Mm. I, while we're on the, I, I I've I've realised uh, that I touch on this quite a lot with like sort of anybody that does anything creative because I um I have to try and get my head around how you cope with failure in stand up because basically I don't like it if I if I try and be funny on a WhatsApp group and it bombs. <laughs> I, I I wear that shame around my neck for about a day or two. Like I can really <laughs> stew on why it didn't. I'm like that was a really funny observation and it got no HAs at all. Um, so try try if you can, Tez. Help me out. Like you get up on stage and you tank, or some twat at the back shouts you're not funny. How do you? Like, how does your self-esteem recover? I don't understand. You know what? I mean, one of the, no one talks about this enough, but one of the key, key skills of being a successful stand-up comedian is resilience. And no one mentioned, everyone talks about, you know, being talented and writing and all that sort of stuff. But resilience is a massive, massive thing. And I've known people who I started with who I thought were very good and could have, you know, had a really good career, but they just weren't resilient enough. They couldn't cope with the failure and like, and then especially at the beginning, especially the first three, four years, you have bad gigs all the time. A, because you don't have the chops, you don't have the stage chops or the experiences to get yourself out of tricky situations. And also you don't have the depth of material and the breadth of material to pick and choose from if things aren't, if plan A isn't working. And so those first few years, you just, I mean, you have great gigs, don't get me wrong, but you do have, you do have a lot of average to bad gigs and and you just have to be resilient and, and, and just love it enough. At my first gig, it was a showcase for uh, the stand-up workshop that I did. And I just loved it. It went really well. To be honest, I don't know what I would have done if it was a complete failure. But it went really well. And and I just got bitten by the bug. I was just like constantly now chasing the dragon. Like it's just <laughs> exactly. I, I enjoy making people laugh. I enjoyed being the centre of attention when I was young. I enjoyed being the obnoxious kid who who shouted out in class and stuff. And now I have an outlet for all of those things and yeah. it's, and I'm get paid for it and, and people recognize me for it. I, I, in writing the book that I'm doing at the moment, it's a biography about my teenage years. And I was going through all my school reports, which I've still got. And every single year and every single lesson was something about me talking too much. And I just thought it was really sad that they tried to drum that out of me. Like, like there was no one in that school who thought, we could. We should fucking harness this. Yeah. Would you, um, <clears throat> I mean, I, you went to a state school, I presume. Mm, mm, I, mean, I did. I had a GCSE pass rate of thirty-five percent. Of course, these teachers all spoke to each other about the kids in staff room, in the staff room, because all of the rep all of the all of the comments were very very similar, and they must have just gone, "Oh yeah, he's a pain in the neck." And like, I find that a bit sad now because I thought, like, why wasn't that an after-school club? a drama after school club where they just forced me to go to and stuff like that. Those things would have been so great for me. But like you said, like I, I, in a way I feel sorry for them because they've got a thousand kids that they're trying to get through the system and make sure that they get some sort of respectable exam grades at the end because the school wasn't, didn't have good grades. And so they got, to, and, 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 and yet there were so many fights in our schools and, and it sometimes got really, really rough and dangerous. So there's all those things that they, that they're doing with, but I, I feel like those schools really failed their brightest and most able pupils. Like yeah. even just getting them A's isn't enough because when it comes to applying for those very best universities, like the kids who get there have the most stacked and most um, comprehensive CVs. 
uh, and you're just and even if you're a kid who gets all A's in their comprehensive school and then all A's in their in their in their state college, like it's not enough. Yeah. It doesn't guarantee you uh, a place at any of those top tables, does it? No, no, not not when someone's got a wide breadth of experience and traveling and after school activities and all that sort of stuff. Like, um, yeah, I, I find it fascinating looking back at it now because I came to comedy so accidentally. Like it was, you know, I had a I had a career planned out. I was a civil servant. I've been doing it for five years. That was that was good. No, four years, sorry, but that was going to be my career. I would I would have reached sort of certain level of middle to upper management and I probably would have been comfortable earning like you know not quite six figures but quite between somewhere between 70 and six figures and that would have been that would have been a fine comfortable life but I just happened to accidentally come across this workshop for like for doing stand-up comedy when I was 27 because I was a bit bored at work and I happened to be in the right frame of mind to think you know what I will sign up to this because on a different day I might not have um and I just happened to do it. And now 10 years later, I'm doing what I'm doing. But like none of that was based on anything that anyone gave to me at school. Was there racial tension at your school or was it quite an inclusive yeah, place? No, there was, there, there was. There's, there's stuff that I need to write about in my book. There were a couple of times where it just broke out into full blown riots and people were coming in. Like all the students who left were coming in with like baseball bats and cricket bats and stuff. Like it got, it got pretty hairy a couple of times. There was one, one particular afternoon where we all got sent home because um, it just kicked off in a major, major way. Like, and I was never one of the kids who was involved in any of that, but I was, I was adjacent to it. Um, like, I had friends, like, you know, I was only one removed from people who were getting suspended and stuff. Like, it was, it was, it was, it was quite an interesting time in our lives. And, uh, and at that age, when we can't handle, our, when lads can't handle their emotions and everything's about being the, the, the hardest kid in the class and all that sort of stuff, like, then things ended up spilling over into in, in way, way beyond what they should have things started getting like people started getting a bit carried away with stuff and their reputations and stuff and yeah it's a bit yeah it was nuts and then we had the, then we had the BNP like doing a little bit well in this area and and uh, then the Oldham rights in 2000 like it was just yeah it was a bit mad it was a bit of a mad time to be fair like that was only a small part of growing up like growing up in Blackburn was great like we you know because because like, your pound goes so much further up here even though no one I knew was rich. Like most of us, probably if we were in London, we'd be poor. But because we were in Blackburn, everyone lived in nice Victorian houses because they cost 10 grand. Yeah. Um, as opposed to 100 grand, which, you know, then was an obscene amount of money. And, and you know, so, we could, so we, everyone I knew lived in a fairly nice house because they were so cheap. And so in that way, we were quite privileged, but then we didn't have any money. I mean, I came from a generation of... Of, 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 of first generation immigrants who, who never spent money on themselves. Um, and so they never, you know, my mum my would never have gone out, you know, on a night out or something. Like everything she spent her money on was her kids. And so we always felt like we never went without. Like I always had food on the table. We always had clothes. We always had new clothes on Eid, which is like our Christmas. And I always had a brand new, I always had like brand new stationery every single year and stuff. So in them terms, like I never felt like I, I went without. But I do know that's because looking back now, because my mum never spent any money on herself. She oh. never, like her clothes were always from Pakistan, which are sort of cheaper. So she get she got them shipped from there. Or when she went there to visit, she'd bring a whole load, like a whole new wardrobe back. And and uh, like she'd buy, like, like she'd buy a coat from what would be the equivalent of whatever Primark was back then. So, you know, it wasn't like she was spending a lot of money on herself. So yeah, so it was, we're quite fortunate in that respect. Well, look, welcome to Basic Pitches. 
Thank you. Um, Great name, by the way. I well, you know, um, like Tez Defy, um, yeah. <laughs> a, a pun goes a long way in life. Yeah, uh, it shouldn't always, um, but it does. So I, I um, comedians coming on and um, p- pitching a movie idea, and I get I get the impression from you from references to Empire Strikes Back and Batman and Lego Batman that you're actually a bit of a movie like geek anyway. So oh, that yeah, all... I love I love films, mate. Yeah. So ask ask me what my favorite film is. Got, <laughs> what's your favorite film, Tess? From Dust Till Dawn. I I think it's one of my favorites as well. That is good choice. I love it. And yeah. people are always like, "What?" And I'm like, "Look, I'm not saying it's the best film. I'm saying it's my favorite film. Those are two very different things." I watched that film, not knowing anything that it was about. I was just I just sat to the edge of my t- sofa, going, "What the fuck is going on?" Yeah. And the I, film just got better. Like the the, the dialogue became. Like the dialogue became really funny. The band ended up like playing the guitar with somebody's torso. Yeah. <laughs> and I was, um, and it's like, as you get older, you realize that that's a, that's a visual gag. It's a sight gag. It's a very grotesque yeah. one, but it's a joke. And um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it's all playing on like, it's taking, like, you know, it's, 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 it's parodying Star Wars and, and all those sorts of things as well. Like it's not a parody, but, but it does have definitely some parody undertones in it. Like it's such a clever. And then there's Sex yeah. Machine who has the gun that comes out oh, of his crotch. Sex Machine. <laughs> and then the, the the Vietnam War veteran. Like it's yeah. just so, yeah. it's so good. Yeah. It's so good. Uh, we've been in lockdown for almost three months. What have you been? Uh, I, I don't want to know everything, but is there, is there anything that you've kind of binged on or you've really loved? Right at the beginning, I was watching. There was uh, such a backlog of stuff to watch because I've been on the road for so long. Um, so I caught up on like Orange is the New Black season three and and v- the final season of Veep and uh, a whole lot of, uh, you know, I've, I've actually, I watched so much TV, I've actually got a list in my notes app of the things that I'm currently watching, the things that are currently out of season, and then a list of things I'd like to watch. Mate, I like, wow. like I watch so much stuff and I just want you- to catch up on all these things. You must know some. You must watch stuff and be like, "Oh yeah, I know that writer." Or I'm, or, or, <laughs> yeah, or, or, um, yeah. especially yeah. when a, when you see a fellow stand-up pop up in something, that must be quite a cool feeling because you're like, "Yeah, oh, yeah, it's we've quite gigged, a thrill. we've gigged before, and there they are popping up on a, on a." Yeah, bitch. like like when I watch May Martin sitcom or Ashling B sitcom, I'm like, "This like this, these are my guys. Like like this is Ashling B. This is uh, she's in my DMs. Like uh, she, I've got her in my phone book. This is I know her." And like some of these people are like genuinely very, very famous. Like I'm like I've, I've made really good friends with like Jason Manford and and Sarah Millican and stuff. And you're like these are and Omi Jalili. And you're like these are properly famous people. This is Basic Pitches. I, it's a real honour to be joined um, by Carol Vorderman's best friend, <laughs> Tez Ilias. Um, I think I'm over pronouncing your surname after you've talked. But you know, it's all good, mate. I I, I enjoy uh, it. Right, you're here on Basic Pictures. You're a huge film fan. We've 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 covered. We, you and I could talk separately about movies all day. Tez, what mm-hmm. what is your basic pitch, my friend? My basic pitch is it's the British Ocean's Eleven, and so it's a group of British Asians trying to take back the Kohinoor Diamond, which is one of the most priceless diamonds on planet Earth, which was taken from the Indian subcontinent by the British Empire and now currently sits in the Tower of London or some museum somewhere under lock and key. So my film pitch is a British Asian Ocean's Eleven where a gang of us get together and steal that back. I love it. It's, um... so it's a comedy thriller. 
it's it's genius and it's original and um before we go any further um i, I made some notes about the kornihor diamond if i said yeah kohinur it's, it's close kohinur kohinur diamond um it's it, uh it's it means mountain of light hmm. we basically the british the the east india company stole it uh, essentially right they went over yeah. there uh and you know and they um invaded essentially and they took the jewel mm. is that right essentially yeah and it's do you know this it's worth 10 billion quid there you go <laughs> and it's, a, it's a good film idea right amazing we're stealing it from the tower of london are we is that where it is yeah i, I didn't do the research <laughs> <laughs> i think that's where it might be that just has such a heisty vibe. Do you know what I mean? Like, descend- yeah, it's, it's, it definitely makes it more cool, right? Yeah, like, yeah, like, like that scene in Mission Impossible uh, Two where he comes in through the roof. You know, that huge tower and the uh, and the, uh, the, the like, the grill that's like that 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 like keeps people out is just like Cruise just sneaks in before it slams shut. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm assuming we're going to use Ocean's Eleven as a as a template, are we? Yes. Are we going to have a scene? I, I, when I was researching the diamond, I like the idea of a kind of um, a bit of history on the diamond, you know, but done in a montage sequence. Um, yes, like the guy in Ant Man. Like yeah, the way yeah, the di- nice. like the way the diamond was, how it got into the hands of the British in eighteen forty nine, and then it was given to Queen Victoria in eighteen fifty. How about my? I've done my research. Hey, hello. You know more about it than I do. Okay, um, so that's uh, so that's the basics. Starring. Um, let's get on to who uh, is in your fantasy cast, Tez. Yeah, so in my cast, so, so I've got Riz Ahmed in the lead role, and then and then Guz Khan kind of playing like the Brad Pitt to Riz's George Clooney. Okay, now he uh, for people. So uh, Riz is the is the most famous, I would say. He's in Venom. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's in a lot of things. He's in The, the Night Before. Um, Star Wars. Uh, Yes, and then uh, Guz, mm. he's in Man Like Mabeen. Yeah, I'm just, and, and I'm, other things. He's I in, know, he's but I'm in, just go on. Sorry, he was. You know, he was. He's done. He's done a few other things. He then was he, in uh, um, what, what's her name, Mindy Kaling's um, Four Weddings and a Funeral remake. He was in that. Uh huh. Um, he's done a couple of things. The only reason I is I it's um. For people listening, it's easy for them to go, oh, right, to visualise. That's the only reason I'm doing this. Oh, yeah. So yeah, they yeah. can go, oh, okay, right, I'm with you. Because um, all of these people have done loads of different stuff. Um, uh, Sindhu V, she's um, she's been to like four universities, I found online. Oh, yeah, she went to Oxford, University of Chicago, probably one in India. Uh yeah, she's 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 very very smart. So, she you you you've skipped me though. I'm in it. <laughs> I thought you might be. No, I'm in it. I, I'm I'm Matt Damon. Oh, okay. I see that. Yeah, yeah. I'm 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 gonna, I'm giving giving myself a prominent role in the film. Oh, that's fine. That is. Your I want to be the the the, tr- the tricky guy who's who's good with his hands. Like I'm I'm that guy. Oh, you oh you're gonna be the guy who. Uh... You can have it. That's the coolest. I think that's the coolest thing to have in this in this in this team is to be able to um, take somebody's wallet without without them knowing. Yeah, yeah. The guy's very the guy's very light fingered. So uh, Riz is George Clooney. Guz is um, is Brad Pitt. 
you're Matt Damon. <laughs> I'm Matt Damon. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you've often been confused for him online, so it's this about does, time. This does happen. <laughs> uh, it's a cool lineup, and then uh, yeah, Sindhu's in there. Um, Sindhu's in there. An- Anjali Mohindra's in there. Mm-hmm. Um, she might be not overly familiar with the British public, but she's very, very funny. She's been in a few things. Uh, if you Google her, you'll be like, oh yeah, I recognise her from a few things. Uh, Nikesh Patel's going to be in there. Now, he's very handsome. I, I uh, Too uh, too handsome? Yeah, he's too good looking. The only thing I think that he'd be great as, um, he could be the Andy Garcia, the the, uh, the casino boss. Oh, wow. Or do you want See, him- I, I, I had Benedict Cumberbatch for that. Oh, <laughs> that's great. Now, that is good. Because you need someone who kind of represents... Aris- British aristocracy and I thought who better than Benedict Cumberbatch so someone like Benedict Cumberbatch or um, Tom Hiddleston you know that sort of someone who can play smarmy really well they're both they're, they're both brilliant at that yeah they could both do pull that off I think that okay fine well well Nikesh can be um Nikesh is the, the face of the operation you know the guy who gets you behind behind the doors and stuff you know the guy who the guy who goes to the British Museum and as the insurance guy and is like, oh, so tell me about how do how does this all work and stuff. You know, the guy who gets the plans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the smooth operator. I love heist movies. They're so much fun. Oh. Uh, then Asim Chowdhury and Paul Chowdhury. Yes. Well, Paul, they, Paul I've seen, I think. He, he's got a stand-up special on Amazon, I think. Yeah, he does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's currently starring in something on Netflix, I think, or Amazon Prime set in, uh, set in Italy. So he's, he's, doing a, he's, he's doing quite well. And um, so him, play, play, them two, I would like, was like the getaway, like, you know, those, the, the guys you have in every um, heist movie that are just really technically minded. They, they're the ones who have all the bombs and the, the cars and all that sort of stuff, like, yeah. like the cues, uh, but they're also the comedy relief. So that'd be Asim, Asim Chowdhury and Paul Chowdhury. Okay. No relation, by the way, but maybe relation in the film. Uh, and then I put Mira Seyal in there. Okay. As absolute royalty. You know, someone needs to go... Like while the heist is happening, someone needs to be on the ground at whatever event we take. We're doing the heist in. That's Mira Seal in it. Yes, yes. That, that's it's a it's a it's a great lineup. It's fan. It's it's brilliant. My my only fear is that some of them will be will be like, um, jostling for comedic attention because you've got some very funny men in there and women. Yeah, I mean everyone in this is a great either stand up or comedy actor. Uh, Apart from so, Riz, he's pretty serious. Not Riz is four lines though. Yeah, I suppose I've seen him in a lot I mean, of serious it, stuff. I mean, he does play the straight guy in four lines, but but he does have definitely the, the character does make you laugh a lot in that film. He does have comedy beats. He does, yeah. Um, can we touch on um, the importance of maybe there being a kind of Asian Ocean's Eleven and just kind of um, I'm always wary as a white middle class male to kind of talk about representation because i just don't really think it's like there are people far more suited and academic and intelligent uh, and who have lived it but um they're kind of do you do you feel either personally or professionally like opportunities are still like you say in your stand-up you know we're never the milk tray man we're never the diet coke guy um, yeah and i think that's changed a little bit with like nikesh and riz and stuff but it's still f- very very few and far between Given that that part of the world did invent the Kama Sutra, and and you look at and you look at like the absolute heartthrobs there are in Bollywood, you're like, well, yeah. you know, these guys could exist. I mean, Kumail Nanjiani is doing his part in America, but you know, the, the, there's no reason why they, that couldn't be more of a thing. And so I wanted to create a film that is just a really fun film. Yeah, it's got 
connotations of it, you know, stealing back the Koinur diamond and stuff. But essentially, it's it's a buddy film. It's a heist film. It's a lot of things that people are familiar with, but with a, with this cast of people that you haven't seen in these positions before. And I think it'll be really fun. And everyone that I've named is so talented and could absolutely pull this off with the right script and funding. <laughs> two kind of two little two small fundamentals what i need is i need you need i need armando unici on board and i reckon if i could write it with him or with his guidance i reckon we could get this done well i'm not saying this because i'm trying to um because I, I you know i want you to like me but that's not why i'm saying this um but out of all the pitches that i've heard this one is the most likely this one actually looks like something that a people would really love and b we haven't seen before so it's kind of got a bit of a, a bit of a um you know as you say chris morris armando um jesse it's armstrong it's, it's, any it's, of those it's, guys it's viable it's viable right i think it's brilliant I, I i think it's fantastic thanks man well we'll see um remind me of the name of our movie osman's nine osman's nine yeah nine. osman bain Riz Ahmed yeah um, fantastic um, we're going to need a bit of money for this I think we are yeah, what yeah we thinking? Not, I don't think it's a cheap film is it no I think we, we, I'd love to come in under 100 mil but I'm not sure we can I mean the, we wouldn't get it I don't think we could get more than 10 mil funding <laughs> for a British for a British film uh, that's true but if we get our, if we get Inucci on board he's got he's connected up to the eyeballs he's, he's connected isn't he he's got that he's got those HBO connections yeah uh, the uh, the Koinor diamond I keep butchering uh, the name of it but I'll persevere um, what else do I know I've written it all. oh it's the biggest diamond in the world I think so we're gonna have to have somebody with a quite a big we need we're gonna have someone who needs a rucksack that's kind of lined with something so it doesn't scratch yeah you're gonna do all of that stuff like like yeah it's or gonna... wouldn't it be funny if we stole it off if, if it's in the queen mother's crown um so it's currently not being used by anybody but um be good it's if also could... not insured is that right yeah be cool if we stole it off somebody's head you know it'd be cool if you stole the whole crown yeah yeah that would be good it's kind Fuck of them. it's kind of mental i mean i don't want to sort of bang the drum too much because i think it's an obvious thing to say but it's kind of crazy that any human being can wear something can wear a hat worth 12 billion pounds isn't it that is, is mad it is mad um that would go that would go a long way in blackburn 12 billion. <laughs> you buy a couple of houses <laughs> you'd be all right with 12 bill in in you'd be all right with that in blackburn wouldn't you you'd, you'd survive yeah. you'd get by yeah, even even with the post brexit inflation we're gonna get i think we'd be okay yeah you would well um yeah, yeah, they wouldn't be hard to put together. And I'm sure there's people that I'm missing here as well that would be amazing. Yeah. Um, your Netflix... Uh, I, I keep wanting to say Netflix special. Um, that would be nice. Well, I, I was... Uh, <laughs> the, the production values on Testify are really good. That they're, they're high. And mm. that, that it, would, it, would, it wouldn't look out of place on Netflix. How did it end up on YouTube? And um, obviously, I want you to make, to, I want you to make the big bucks, and so people can kind of, people can sort of donate, really, can't they? Is in they, 
Yeah, there's a link uh, in, in in the description of the video. There's a link to my PayPal, and people can and people have been donating, and people are more than welcome to donate uh, what they what 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 they can. Obviously, if they can't, that's also fine. Please share it. But if you can donate, please do. And just watch it, really watch it, and appreciate how much uh, blood, sweat, and tears went into making it, and how funny it is. So check it out. It's called Testify. It's on YouTube. Um, I can't recommend it enough, uh, and uh, it's a, it, um, I'm 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 just excited that I'll that this this I have been able to catch you before um before you go Ashling B big. So, <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be nice. Um, thank you, t thanks, man. Well, thank you for having me, man. I appreciate it a lot. And that's it. Anything? Uh, have I missed anything? Is there anything else? Is there anything you wanna? Uh, you can oh you can find Tez on social media. He's got a massive following on Instagram. Yeah, all those things: Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. I'm on tour later this year or there's only a few tickets left for that and that's obviously basically i had a big tour planned in the autumn go on go on go on go on see my special follow me on social media and buy tickets basically is what i'm saying i think christine hamilton's coming to one of them amazing great <laughs> can't wait i bet she'll heckle as well yeah, she, she, she's point of information <laughs> do you know i don't she's there's i think that i go to quite a few sh shows uh to, to you know punt for for old podcast business and um i think there's one thing worse than a heckler and that's the fucking drunk back row chatter like just chatting oh. away to their mates like how at oh. least a heckler is listening <laughs> oh mate they're the worst they are the worst because also like sometimes everyone can hear them and everyone wants someone to tell them to shut up and because you've got the mic, you have the most power in the room. But sometimes no one else can really hear them, but it's disturbing you. And then it becomes really difficult because then people are like, oh, why is he picking on those people for? So like it's, and, and your experience in doing stand-up gets you through those things. But I definitely made some mistakes earlier on where you go, because you watch those heckle videos like Jimmy Carr and stuff, and you're like, oh, brilliant. It doesn't quite work like that in real life. Quite often when people don't know who you are necessarily and just doing a gig, and you go too hard, too quick, you can lose the audience. With more experience comes more authority and more command of a stage. And so A, people try it less um, because they can just see a seasoned performer on stage who knows what they're doing. Tez Ilias, um, seasoned performer. Yeah, that's yeah, what I would say. That's, that's right. That's what I would say. Um, well, look, I'm gonna try and, um... I'll find out when I'll try and get to one of your shows. It sounds like I'm. It sounds like I will struggle to get a ticket, but I am. Um, I will look into it and uh, come and see you live. That'd be great, man. I'll see you then. Basic pitches. The podcast to have you in stitches. Basic pitches. You've heard of films with some really bad ideas, like Night and Day with Tom Cruise and Cameron Diaz. So once a week, we'll be chatting with a comedian, getting in the groove and improve the movie medium. Thing is, most stories have a stupid premise, like The Phantom Menace, or films about tennis. Basic pitches, comedic riches. Basic pitches. A podcast to have you in stitches. Basic pitches.